All right, guys. I'm Nicolette, and today Brian and I have the pleasure of chatting with Don Akari. He is the president over at TTI Americas, as well as uh, SVB Senior Vice President over in uh, one of the corporate divisions, right, Don? Yeah, yeah the, cor the corporate, the family of companies. Family of companies. And uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about, uh, you know, supply chains, of course, but also about leadership. We're really excited to chat with you about that today, Don. So thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. No, it's a pleasure. Appreciate you guys thinking of, of me and thinking of TTI. So Tom, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you what, what you guys are working on over at TTI. Just give us a little bit of background about you and, and your journey. Uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously TTI is one of the leading uh, distributors of interconnect passive electromechanical and discrete semiconductors. So we've got a, uh, I'll say a reduced lineup uh, some of the stuff you're hearing about in the news with the shortages of semiconductors, uh, I'll say it's less less painful on our part of the business than it is for some of the uh, distributors who are distributing uh, complex semiconductors. So semiconductors we have on the line card uh, are not, uh, I'll say, caught up in allocation or, or uh, capacity constraints. Uh, lead times have pushed out a little bit, but you know we're still able to get plenty of product in order to support the customers. Um, obviously, right now, uh, like uh, everyone else, we're trying to keep up with the demands. Uh, the business has uh, recovered in a, a, a V format. I'll say TTI, we've, our model is a, a little more uh, recession-proof. We sell to a, a broad uh, base of customers, broad customer segments. So our business, even over the past couple of years, we've shown growth every year. And the recovery... Uh, I'll say, while dramatic, uh, probably is not quite as steep for us. You know, bookings are up 30, 40 percent. Uh, the shipments are up, you know, 15 to 20 percent. Uh, and I'll say gaining momentum. So it hasn't slowed down at all for us. Uh, so right now, a lot of what we're doing is trying to make sure that we get enough product in and, and we're able to support the customers to keep them, uh, keep their production lines running. Go ahead, Brian. I know oh, you so, want to ask a question. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you, you, yeah, you meant you, you mentioned there was, you know, it slowed down a little bit, right? You haven't really been hit that hard, you know, with the with the supply chain and everything going on. What's your? How do you view the current state of that, right? What is? How do you view the current state of what's going on with the supply chain? Well, I mean, obviously, what happened? I mean, if you look at COVID and and you know, first quarter of last year was a record for for us, both from a booking and a shipping standpoint. And then April and May occurred and Many companies shut down in the automotive world in particular, their factories were hard stops. A lot of the other industries weren't as hard stop like that. So right. no production. All right. And what we're doing is we're, we're paying for part of that now as they've come back around and the automotive guys who did not have a lot of, uh, I'll say, surplus inventory in their supply chain, uh, the, the quick rebound has has you know, I'll say started this thing. Uh, but the, the demand, we've seen the demand from all segments. The only, uh, the commercial air piece of it, although it has gotten slightly better, uh, as you well know, it had been on a decline related to the Boeing situation. And then uh, I'll say travel restrictions made it worse. Uh, that part of the business is starting to recover. We're seeing signs of some of the production coming back, uh, even for Boeing. Uh, but it's still year over year. It's uh, I'll say uh, 
not down, but it's uh, you know slightly up. Everything else is up double digits. You name it, uh, medical, uh, you know, all of the transportation, you know, outside of passenger car, anything related to commercial vehicles, farm and ag, recreational vehicles, uh, industrial. Industrial's up double digits, which is a little unusual for that that segment. Normally, it's a you know low to, to mid single digit. Uh, year after year after year, it's a broad customer base, you know, but we've seen it really take off. Some of that is IoT and communications coming into that piece of it. Uh, but you know, the 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 automotive world, uh, I'll say, shoved us into the shortages. Uh, they're frantically trying to to catch up. Um, you know, I believe that you know the semiconductor piece of it is a small piece of their supply chain issues. I think resin's probably affecting them you know, dashboards and other parts that require resin, that's probably a bigger problem for them than the semiconductor piece of it. Really? Nobody, and you don't hear as much about no. that as you do about the chips. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the ship, it, chips are easier to get your arms around, but, you know, if you think about, you know, we've got suppliers that, you know, connector suppliers, resins are uh, obviously, you know, they're going through the same thing as semiconductor guys. They're getting enough to keep their the lines running. They had to push out some lead times. Prices have gone up. So we're seeing them start to push through, you know, resin prices going up and some metal prices are, have, have gone up pretty substantially. So back in April, you were actually talking about preparing for um, future supply chain challenges um, mm -hmm. over on LinkedIn. And, and I was wondering if we could get some insight into that. You know, how can manufacturers, distributors really prepare for this increased demand that's going to continue um, for years? Well, and, and obviously I'm biased, but I'm trying, I tried to look at it from, uh, I'll say the supply chain world. I've, I've been in it for, well, since 1984. So I've, I've been in electronic component distribution for a lot of years. Uh, but if you look at the companies who had a, I'm going to call it a hybrid strategy, regardless of how big they were, uh, and, and saw distribution as a tool in their supply chain strategies. You know, obviously the automotive world is best known for not using distribution, although they buy hundreds of millions of dollars from, from us um, in, in that supply chain. Uh, they look at it and they, you know, the just-in-time deliveries and, you know, I'll say the pressures on cost reductions. Uh, I think many of them have found it may have been a better strategy in order to involve a distributor. So I do believe if I was running a supply chain for a manufacturing company, distribution would be at least part of the strategy. In some cases, depending on the size, uh, it could be a large portion of it. If you look at the, the items that TTI sells, you know, and we, we lived through this in 17 and 18 with MLCCs and chip resistors, some of the least expensive components on a board uh, we had many customers that could not deliver the product for a part that cost less than two cents. So you can do the math and they would have been better off buying 10 million pieces for less than two cents and having it on their shelf. Now, some companies, uh, I'll say, even in the automotive world uh, that lived through that, they, they changed their strategy and they did decide, you know what, let me carry a little more of this inventory. Let me, let me buy it through a distributor instead of paying, you know, 0 0.008, I'll put, pay 0 0.009, and um, you know that way I've got an, an assurance of supply. Now the automotive world, uh, very few went down that path. They went back a lot to the old habits of just-in-time delivery, 
two weeks worth of inventory, no distributor backups. Uh, so first and foremost is, you know, looking at your supply chain and asking the question, you know, don't be penny wise and pound foolish, you know, look at it and make sure that there's some components uh, that do fit with distribution. Um, make sure you work and you supply the best information with your distributors or with your suppliers on a direct basis. Uh, typically, you know, I'll say in the past days, we may be getting forecasts, you know, 13, 18, maybe even 26 uh, weeks. Uh, a lot of companies now, we have some sharing two years worth of forecast data with us. Uh, we've all got very sophisticated algorithms in our uh, our ERP systems that we use uh, in order to manage the, the pipeline of parts coming in. So the more, more data that you can share, uh, the better your supplier is going to be uh, positioned in order to help you. Um, you know, and, and I'd say pick your partners of the ones who are, you know, I'll say in business and distribution. You know, we pride ourselves that, you know, we don't goal our people on turning inventory fast. We look at it and stock outs are more important to us. Uh, breadth of inventory. We've got targets set for every commodity, every supplier uh, in order to, how can we expand that? Uh, and in distribution, all inventory is not equal. So we measure everyone based on the available to sell. You know, a lot of us have a lot of inventory that is very specific for customers. Uh, we go in and look at our inventory and profile it based on what's available to sell that we could take an order for today and ship it. Our targets have it at 70% uh, plus for uh, commodities uh, in order to be able to do that. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, with some lines, we've been able to maintain it. Others, we've fallen below that. We're in the, the 60s with some now. Uh, but you can't run a you know, return on working capital model. Um, you know, and the public companies are under different scrutiny than we are. We're part of a public company. Uh, but we're run like a privately held corporation. So we have no pressure on us from Berkshire Hathaway to, you know, turn inventory uh, six or eight times. I can, I can assure you our, our inventory turns are less than three and that's the target for us. So it, it's, you guys have taken on a very specific strategy, right? From what you're saying into how, how you're running your business and a very specific leadership strategy, even in the industry. Now, you know, I want to shift gears a little bit besides the electronics industry. Um, you know, I know you guys, you, you led sort of a, a team to uh, Mount Everest and how, mm -hmm. how does that play into sort of, you know, leadership and, and team building and strategy there? Well, a lot of it, and and I'll tell you that 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 dream of of trekking up to to Mount Everest uh, started many many years ago for me. Uh, for I'm fascinated with high altitude and mm -hmm. and climbers and anybody wanting to, uh, I'll say, push their 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 self. You're not competing against anybody. You're competing against yourself and your body and your physical capability. Uh, but uh, we've got about 50 people that work in Kathmandu, Nepal, for us. Um, within the Berkshire Hathaway company that they have hundreds of thousands of employees. We're the only company they own that has employees there. Uh, long story of how it ended up. We had a European employee who was originally from there and went back, but we put a, put this group of people in. So, uh, when I was running the, the global operations for the TTI companies, I, I was in and out of there some, and, and again, fascinated. Uh, mm -hmm. with, with Everest and altitude. So I could talk my wife into it. That's, that should be the, the theme of the story. I was, <laughs> I, I was go a good enough salesperson that I convinced my wife uh, that, that we could do this. 
of course, uh, we we ended up uh, flying into Kathmandu and spending a couple of days, and and then we flew up to Lukla Airport. And you, you should Google that. It's one of the most dangerous airports in the world because the landing strip ends into the side of a mountain. Uh, so, <laughs> so so there's no aborting a landing, and if you run into problems, uh, they shut the airport down rather quickly. But we hiked up for seven days, about 65 miles, um, in up to altitudes as high as about eight, 18,000 feet, a little over 18, uh, which is higher than base camp, um, and uh, were able to go up. But a part of that was just tied to pushing yourself to the limit. Uh, a couple of years prior, we had uh, a sales leadership conference to where we did put a mountain climbing theme on it, which a lot of companies have done. Uh, so I took it and I already had this in the works before that. And uh -huh. so I used it uh, as part of a motivation. And guys, if an old guy like me can do this, then you guys can sell these electronic components that we sell. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's easy after this. Uh, it was not an easy task. My wife, I have to admit, was a, a, a great trooper and did extremely well. Uh -huh. We both, they, they, you know, you never know. Uh, physical conditioning is one thing, but altitude. And we were able to to make it up and not have any problems. And uh, of course, when we get there, the guide tells us that uh, you know only about sixty percent of the people even make it. So they, they they end up having to turn around and come back. So yeah, he didn't tell us that before we paid him the money. <laughs> no, no, you didn't want that to get in your head, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought about it the whole way up after he told us that, though. <laughs> I think that's our, you know, and that kind of ties in, Brian, to your question about leadership then, yep. you know, how you applied it then to, to the company, right? Mm -hmm. You took this, uh, this experience and, and said, look, if I can do this, you guys can do this. And Absolutely. And, 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 and I was able to post it, uh, you know, via social media. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had, uh, uh, obviously those have been some of the most popular posts that I've done. Um, so to where, you know, you add up, you know, well over a hundred thousand people reacting and, following and sending messages or whatever, which I don't get that when I talk about a particular component we're selling or a service we offer. Right. So uh, it got us a lot of visibility. And then I, I did steal the flag out front of the building, unbeknownst to Mr. Andrews at the time. <laughs> um, and I took it, took it up and I did uh, unfurl it and, and, and show it when I got there, which uh, obviously made a, a, was a big hit with the, the team here. Uh, I was, cussing myself because everything's heavy when you get up higher and that that flag I, I really wanted a little bitty flag about the size of a piece of paper but it was a full heavy canvas <laughs> flag yeah there's your, that was your commitment to it but you getting that flag up there which is great too because there's a there's another leadership thing but you also mentioned competing against yourself and you know i think businesses sometimes you know we you know all businesses have competitors right and but it's also competing about yourself to be better for who you are as a company you know and to strive mm -hmm. with that that there's a real big you know thing in there to take away in terms of leadership from even that climb well, and that's it. If you go look at the way Paul Andrews, who we, we lost just a few months mm -hmm. ago, but Paul built this company uh, based on not trying to be the biggest, but trying to be the best. Mm -hmm. and, and he built it from a, a buyer's standpoint, which the, it's the way it's run today. That has not changed at all. That inventory strategy that we talked about earlier, that is, you know, looking at inventory from a buyer. Paul always told us, you know, that, hey, look, if, if, if a buyer calls us and they're looking for parts, they don't want to hear that you can deliver it in four weeks or eight weeks or whatever the lead time is. 
they want. So a lot of our efforts went into trying to make sure we had the inventory uh, when the customer needed it so that we could, uh, I'll say, uh, be the best. We were, you know, fast in getting the product to them, you know, fast in getting uh, answers back to them. Uh, you know, I always told him, I said, Paul, I know you, you, you don't shoot out to, to be the best, but with many of our suppliers, we've turned into their largest distributor uh, because, you know, for 50 years, we've been the best at distributing their products. So, you know, uh, he, he said, all right, I'll take that, even though I'd prefer to be number two. He always said that. He said, if you're number one, everybody's shooting for you. But. <laughs> you know, you mentioned um, earlier about uh, the industrial sector and, and how it was seeing a bit of an uptake, uptick, uptick, uptick. And I was wondering if there were any other industries that you were thinking of right now that were kind of uh, maybe poised to soar a little bit further than expected. Um, yeah, yeah. if you look at it, you know, I mentioned the commercial air piece of it, and there's a sub-segment of that and, and uh, the space part of the, the business. And those components are, are, are much more rig rigorously tested and uh, very specialized. But that part of the business uh, for about two and a half years now uh, has been growing. It, it wasn't a big part of the business, but it's gradually becoming a much larger part. So I would single that one out. You know, when I talk about it, I typically talk about the commercialization of space. I mean, we see it every day with SpaceX, with, you know, uh, Virgin Galactic, uh, with, you know, Blue Origin. All of those are customers of ours uh, and they do business differently. Uh, than I'll say traditionally NASA has done. Uh, no hit at NASA or whatever. Their processes and the way that they go through their design cycles are much quicker. So that, that is one segment that I would say uh, has driven and kept the commercial air uh, positive for us. Uh, and then if you look on an, another segment for us has been uh, the non-passenger car transportation, starting with the electric vehicles. And I'm not talking electric passenger cars. We're involved in many uh, companies that are uh, in the other transportation vehicles. I mean, think about it, electric garbage trucks, uh, yeah, electric you know, motorcycles, electric, uh, any kind of commercial vehicle, recreational vehicles, all of those. Uh, and we've, uh, we chose uh, a few years ago uh, in order to make that a priority. We believe we've put together one of the best offerings uh, from our suppliers. We've signed a few suppliers specifically to be able to support that part of the business. That's a business that I'll say um, has gotten bigger, faster than we expected. Uh, and I think it's the acceptance. You know, part of it is it slowed down for just a short period when the price of a, a barrel of oil uh, dropped. But now that it started back up, there's an acceleration. Now, many of those companies may not make it, uh, so we're, we're positioned, but we have experts within our organization focused on it. Uh, medical and health, you guys are well aware of uh, what's happened in that part of the business. That one's a little harder to track of what you're selling into it because most mm -hmm. of the uh, actual procurement of the components is coming through EMS accounts. Uh, but a lot of design work uh, has gone into even pre-COVID. COVID. You look at what happened to all of us with ventilators and the, uh, the rush in order to, to manufacture and produce ventilators last year. Uh, but it, it's, you know, testing equipment, 
uh, you know, just health tracking. I mean, how many of us are wearing, I wear a Garmin watch that tells me what my heart rate, how much I'm not sleeping and you know, all the, all those things, you know, but we're, you know, I know I personally am somewhat addicted to it, you know? So, so you mentioned, oh, I have a fun question. Here. I was going to ask the same yeah, thing. You, I know what you, you're going to ask. You mentioned, you mentioned commercialization of space. Mm-hmm. We just actually had this conversation yeah. yesterday. So how do you, how do you think the supply <laughs> chain is going to work when we colonize Mars, right? Are we going <laughs> to keep sending, you know, shuttles back and forth to Mars? Or are we going to have like some, you know, ISS type warehouse sitting out there where there's going to be components on it that's maybe halfway between? Or is there going to be a warehouse on Mars? Like, you know, how are we going to, how do you think that is going to look? I think the day, the day will come, there'll be a warehouse on Mars. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call that our, our first Mars consignment uh, inventory that we put up there. <laughs> uh, but I think you're going to see things, I, I think you're going to see uh, international space station type uh, situations. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can guess as well as I can of, uh, I'm sure that uh, of Amazon is thinking about that as we speak, mm-hmm. um, since they're part of that race. Uh, but uh, I guarantee you, you're going to see, you know, stop off points, uh, the way that the rockets are going up and, you know, back and forth. And again, it's commercial operation of those rockets. It's not and the, the reusable nature uh, has made it, you know, um, I'll say they use less components. Uh, but they're they're actually sending a lot more rockets up. So, you know, as I said, we're heavily involved. And I was in SpaceX pre-COVID, uh, pre-lockdown from the COVID, uh, just right before. And, you know, we're heavily involved both on the space side of their business and, and on the low-orbit satellite. That's another piece of the business. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the uh, data com communications piece of it, you got all the data centers and all these server farms. So that's, opened up and I'll say for distribution, that's somewhat new, not a lot, you know, there's a lot of guys playing in it, but they consume a lot of electronics, a lot of power, uh, you know, so, you know, what you're hearing me say is just about everything's growing. That's the reason that we think the 2020s are going to be very robust. COVID's thrown a little bit of curveball in it for, I'm going to say for a few months, I can't even say for 2020, uh, but uh, I'd say probably April through you know, September of last year probably slowed down things more than it should have been, but uh, I think we're overcompensating for it just a little bit and catching up. Well, that was actually going to be my final question about your outlook <laughs> for uh, for the 2020s. So you can beat me to it, Don. But uh, it sounds optimistic, and that's uh, pretty much the general sense. You know, even when we reach out with Michael Knight, you know, it's it's very optimistic from from TTI. So. Well, and we've been there. We, you know, we we've we started talking about it a few years ago. We we. Uh, I'll say our whole inventory strategy, our deployment of resources, both hiring additional people. Uh, we we do believe it's not going to be nice and uh, up and to the right the entire time. We're going to see some choppiness. Um, mm-hmm. As I said earlier, if I look at, you know, after May of last year, every month has been stronger for us. Uh, and we haven't seen that slow, you know, that we haven't seen any slowing in that we've actually seen that continue to accelerate. The bookings uh, for May were, you know, this, what are we, May May 26th here, so we're coming up on, on the end of the month uh, on Friday, but this will be the, the largest per day booking month we've ever had, uh, and not by a little bit. It's gonna be at least 10% higher than any booking per day that we've ever seen. 
so, you know, and we, we do see that it's going to continue. And I've, I talked a little bit about it in that article. I look at Q2, I believe, is going maybe the high point for this year, although Q3 and Q4, I think, are going to be either flat or maybe down just a little. Um, uh, but I don't see it, re you know, reversing by any means. I don't think we've, we've got a lot of customers that are overbuying. Uh, which typically is what happens in a cycle of, of, you know, constraint on inventory. We've got a few. Some of the EMS guys probably are buying a little more. Some of the automotive guys are attempting to buy more. Uh, but all of the distributors and suppliers are a little more sophisticated uh, these days. We can see those trends, and we try to make sure that, you know, somebody's not trying to hoard the market and trying to, you know, overbuy, causing a shortage for someone else. We do believe 2022 is going to be uh, even bigger, and and again, not by just a little. I think it's going to be uh, another really robust year, and I think 2023, 2024. Again, there may be a year in there that we don't grow at at double digits, and maybe we step back slightly. But um, the 2020s, we we believe uh, are going. To, it's going to be a decade that we'll look back in and. I talk about it. I say, guys, we're going we're to look back and say, these are the good old days. Uh, and we're going to long for them at some point. Uh, <laughs> just, like, just like we did the, the, before the, the internet uh, bust. You know, those were the good old days. We've, I've been around long enough. I've, I've been through some of those cycles. But uh, as Michael Knight has communicated, we're, we're extremely bullish. We think we're positioned well in the market. Uh, our, our business model... Uh, seems to work through, uh, I'll say good years and bad years. We compete against ourselves. We do take a snapshot and look at it, uh, you know, from a supplier by supplier basis. You know, we want to grow for every supplier, but we also, the last measurement we look back on is, you know, how, did we gain share in their channel for them? And, you know, the team here has done an unbelievable job, uh, I'll say, with most of the major lines, gain year after year after year. As I mentioned, you know, with Paul's, you know, wanting us to be the best, if you're the best long enough, you end up being the biggest over time. And, and that's what the team's done here. And that's a testament to, I'll say, the culture that Paul built and the way that the, this team executes. They're unbelievable. Brian, is there anything else you want to touch on about today? Oh, Don, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. We appreciate your time. Absolutely. Hey, no problem at all. Thank yep. you for leaving us on that positive note. Really, really yeah. good to hear. Yeah, it's a good time to be in this business. So we and we need lots of new people in this business, which is, you know, that's probably the, the biggest uh, threat to the electronics industry. A lot of us are, you know, been in it for quite a while. And I think we went through a period where we weren't, weren't attracting a lot of new talent into it. I think that's changing a little bit. You know, it's uh, I'll, I'll we've got to do a better job of marketing the industry because it is. You know, you hear me talk about being in SpaceX or being in Raytheon or you name it all. A lot of these companies that are designing and building some of the great things. So anybody that wants a, a job in this industry, uh, now's a good time to get in. Thanks, Don. All right. Thank you guys for the, uh, having me today. We appreciate it.